Hello and welcome to the National Leprechaun Museum's Talking Stories podcast. Your home for Irish folklore, mythology and all things storytelling. Hello everyone, you're all very welcome to episode 77 of the National Leprechaun Museum's Talking Stories podcast. I'm Brendan and I am joined by... Paddy! Hello, Surprise! Surprise! <laughs> It's always us, yeah. forever <laughs> and ever. So, what are we talking about today, Potty? We are talking about love—the kind you clean up with a mop and bucket. <laughs> what a beautiful image that song has bestowed upon us! <laughs> yes, gorgeous, <laughs> only gorgeous. And and tell me, uh, do you dream? Do I dream, Potty? I do. I feel like I don't really have the sort of dreams we're going to be discussing tonight. My dreams are more. Surreal, vivid, horrifying. Yes, yes, I, I, I can, I can get, I can vibe with that. People come to me all the time and they say, "Oh yes, uh, you and me were on holiday in Spain in my dream last night," and their whole dream makes perfect logical sense. <laughs> it was like just another day in their life, but my dreams are like. And yeah, it was raining pink elephants at the time. <laughs> and for some reason, I was my own grandmother. <laughs> yeah, I did have a, a spate of time, about a week, I think it was, back when I was around 16 years old. And I had a dream where every single night, a different animal killed me. Wow. wow. <laughs> it was a real <laughs> reflection of my mental state at the time, I think. <laughs> what kind of animals killed you? Okay, so the first dream I had, I a bull went loose on the farm and I was getting chased right, by it. Right. And I woke up just as it was about to connect with me. The only other one I really remember, I do remember it being a different animal every night, but the other one was that I bought a pet tarantula. And the tarantula wasn't the villain in the dream. No. <laughs> um, instead, for some reason, the tarantula had also come with a black widow. Right, right. And the Black right. Widow was pregnant and had loads of Black Widow babies. And I just opened the door to my room in the dream and it's just covered with webs and they spawned everywhere. And my last thought was that my brother and sister were on the other side of the door and I, I wouldn't be able to get them without being murdered by Black Widows. Oh, no. Oh. Maybe maybe we should explain to the listeners, though, why uh, dreams and love are so uh, synonymous in the Irish tradition. Yeah, dreams have a pretty long history in Irish myths and legends. Everyone's having dreams that are telling them to do things. Yeah. We even have a whole genre of poetry specifically dedicated to beautiful women appearing in dreams and telling people to fight for Ireland. Yes, the, the Ashling poem. Ashling, uh, the the dream uh, means literally, yeah, uh, yeah. And Ashling, of course, is a very uh, common girl's name uh, here in Ireland. But specifically, probably the most famous story about the god of love, in as much as you can say there is a god of love in the Irish tradition. Uh, the uh, most famous story about Ireland's god of love is the dream of Angus. Basically, the god of love is a moppy teenager. Oh yeah, he's just, he would be very popular on TikTok. Yes, he'd be an e-boy or something, is that what they, <laughs> yes, they still is that calling, what the kids are calling them? <laughs> yeah, with their middle parts and their earrings. <laughs> and their blush, 
oh yes on their well, noses. Yeah, yeah, no, yeah. So uh, Angusog basically uh, is uh, as asleep one night and he starts to dream about this uh, very, very beautiful woman who begins to visit him in dreams. And he becomes very much infatuated uh, with her. And obviously, when someone as important as Angus Og, the son of the Dagda, the leader of the Tuhad Daedonan, the leader of the gods, is in love, every important person uh, in the country stops what they're doing to go and help out this uh, mopey teenager. Can you imagine if that was the situation nowadays? If, say for example, Michael D. Higgins' grandson had a crush on some girl, every world leader drops what they're doing and essentially tries to set them up on a Tinder date. And you have Joe, you have Joe Biden going up and down the country. Are you the girl from the dream? <laughs> it's utterly strange in yeah. just the best possible way it is it is it is and you know i think of uh, my own teenage years and um, becoming uh, infatuated with this or or that person uh, i can't imagine my uh, my father stopping everything that he was <laughs> doing to help me track this person down all just all diplomacy everything's it's like the opposite of the political marriages you yeah. see in the medieval period this is everyone's putting everything on hold for a love marriage instead that's that's like i was mortified the time my father walked into the teen disco so <laughs> i can't imagine what it would be like if your father who also happens to be the dagda so is a little bit ridiculous all of the time is now uh, helping you. And then, of course, um, uh, the, the mother is involved as well. And then when the mother and the father fail, um, it, it gets even more complicated with the arrival of Bob Darroch, uh, the god of war. That family is just unable to have any normal romances. <laughs> no, no. Uh, with and without any uh, further ado, before we we spoil any more of the story for you, ladies and gentlemen, here is uh, Leanne Bickerdyke with the Dream of Angus. One night, Angus Og, son of the Dagda and Buan, was all curled up asleep, and he was ever so peaceful in his bed. The air was warm, and he couldn't have been more peaceful in his sleeping than he was that night. But Angus awoke in the night from his sleep to find the most beautiful woman ever imaginable to be stood at the foot of his bed, and she was just gazing looking down at him. He couldn't have been more astounded by the woman that stood before him. He reached forward to take the lady by the hand and draw her nearer to him. And as he welcomed her, she vanished, suddenly and completely. He didn't know what to do or what had taken her or where she'd went, but he remained in his bed until morning. But in his mind, he felt troubled. The woman he had seen but hadn't spoken to began to make him ill. No food entered his mouth that day, 
for he did not feel well enough to eat. And the next night, as you could imagine, the woman appeared to him again. But this time, she was carrying a tympan, a small stringed instrument in her hand, of which she began to play the most beautiful and sweetest of music Angus had ever heard. She played for him long into the night, until he eventually fell asleep. Every night, for a full year, this woman would visit Angus in his dreams. So much so that he fell madly in love with this woman. But still, he could not eat or he could not drink. And a great concern, as you could imagine, grew for Angus within his friends and family that they called upon the chief physician of Ireland, named Fern. And so Fern came to Angus's side. And he could tell from one look at the man's face what illness it was. Love in absence. You have grown sick at heart, and you have not dared to tell anyone, Angus. It is true, he said. A young girl came to me, and she was the most beautiful thing I have ever seen, and her appearance was excellent. A tympan was in her hand, and she played for me each night. Fern decided to do the best thing that can be done for a young man who finds himself love-struck. Send him to his mother. So Angus was sent to his mother, Buan, who was told of Angus's now sickness, and she decided the best thing to be done was to search all of Ireland, its length and its breadth, to find the mysterious woman that Angus so desired. Now this search was carried out for a whole year, but the likeliness of the girl that Angus had described, she could not be found. So Fern the physician, he was summoned again. No help has been found for him, say Buan. Then send for the Dagda, and let him come and speak with his son, said Fern. And so the Dagda was sent for. He came to advise his son. It is right that you help him, said Buan, for his death would be a pity, and love and absence has overcome him, and no help it can seem to be found. For you are the king of the Shi of Eru. Send messages to Buad, for he is the king of the Shi of Munu, and his knowledge spreads throughout Ireland. So messages were sent to Buad, and surprisingly they were actually welcomed. And the Dagda explained that Angus had been in love for two years. He saw a young girl in his sleep, but we do not know where in all of Eru that she is to be found. I ask that you search all the land for a girl of her form and appearance. Buad agreed, and the search was carried out again for a year, in every field, in every village, in every loch, in every lake, until eventually the girl was found in the lake of the dragon's mouth. And Angus was summoned by Buad to see if he recognises the girl as the one that he once saw in his visions and dreams, and he was taken in a chariot to Buad's kingdom and was welcomed. A great feast was prepared for, and of course it lasted three days and three nights. And after that, Buad said to Angus, let us go now, to see if you recognise the girl. You may see her, but it is not in my power to give her to you. They went until they reached the lake, and they saw 150 women, and Angus is woman among them. The other girls were no taller than her shoulder, but each pair of them was linked together by a silver chain. But Angus's girl, she wore a silver necklace, which was embellished with gold. Do you recognise her? asked Bod. I do indeed, said Angus. Then I can do no more for you, say Bod, for she is Keher, 
daughter of Ethelin from Shi in the province of Connacht. And after that, they returned to the Dagda and Buan to tell them of their news, of how the girl's form and appearance were just as Angus had seen. But the girl that Angus so desired, he could not have. What, however, had an idea. What if you go to Ahil and Maeve, for the girl is in their territory, and see what could be done? So off they went to Connacht, escorted by three fine chariots, and they were welcomed by King Ahil and Queen Maeve, and they spent a week feasting and drinking with them, until eventually Ahil asked, Why your journey? There is a girl in your territory with whom my son has fallen madly in love with, ill in love with, and I have come to see if you will give him the daughter of Ethel. We do not have the power to give it to you, say Maeve. The best thing that could be done, say the Dagda, is to summon the king here himself. A steward was sent for to call upon Atlan to see if he would speak. But I will not give my daughter to the son of the Dagda, he said. Upon this refusal, Ahil and the Dagda's people rose up against Ethelin of that she, and they captured him and brought him before the Dagda. Give your daughter to the son of the Dagda. I cannot, he said, for her power is greater than mine, for she is in the form of a bird each day of one year and in human form each day of the next. Next Halloween she'll be in the form of a bird and she'll be in the lake of the dragon's mouth and beautiful birds will be with her, 150 swans about her. Strangely, peace and friendship then came among the men and the Dagda bade them farewell, went back to his house and told his son of the news. Go next Samhain to the dragon's mouth lake and called to her. So Angus waited and he went to the lake the next Halloween and there he saw white birds with silver chains and golden hair about their heads. Angus in human form he stood at the edge of the lake and he called to the girl saying come, come and speak with me care for it as Angus. I will if you promise that I may return to the water. I promise, he said. She went to him and put her arms around him and they slept in the form of swans until they had circled that lake three times and Angus, he kept his promise. They left in the form of two white birds and they flew to Brunaboigne where they sang until the people inside fell asleep for three days and three nights. And the girl, well, she remained with Angus forever after that. And that is said how the great God of love and youth, how he found his own true love forever. Now, ladies and gentlemen, what a lovely rendition of the dream of Angus that was. And tell me, tell me truly, Brendan, have you ever been so in love with someone that you felt a little bit sick inside? I've definitely never been in love with, enough with someone to turn into a bird for them. That's which <laughs> perhaps... <laughs> I'm not sure if that's a stain on my... Maybe I'm just a robot, but... <laughs> I do, and a swan as well. You know, swans... 
They're very beautiful, but it, it strikes me that their life is kind of miserable, sitting in cold water just, all of the time. Yeah, they're just kind of they just kind of strut around and look kind of pretty. But mm. I mean, you can tell from swans and their actions that they are absolutely furious with their lot in life. Yeah. They will kill anyone as soon yeah. as look at them. They have to filter uh, algae, isn't it, for bugs to eat? And I that kind think of thing? that's basically, yeah, it's yeah. a similar thing to what ducks and stuff do. Yeah, well, it can't be easy in the canals. That water is dead, like. Yeah, that's there. I'm surprised that they come out with more with less than two heads. Uh, yeah. And feeding, uh, yeah, feeding the swans on the canals is dangerous as well, because yeah, they they can break your arm with one of their wings. <laughs> yeah, as my mother often told me as a child. <laughs> um, yeah, unrequited love is, is interesting. Uh, obviously, it hits teenagers the hardest because they're they're uh, they're hormonal and they're and they're coming into it at a new stage uh, in their life. Um, I suppose uh, for us uh, and our background, you know, we we maybe had one or two puberties, <laughs> so <laughs> so we felt it. We we felt it maybe once or twice. Um, but uh, kind of as well, unrequited love. When you feel that as a, as a young person, I suppose you don't really understand the implications of. Uh, of falling in love and how serious a, a situation it will be later on in life with marriage and kids and everything. Yeah, yeah, it's very much your first taste of everything. Yeah. So everything feels like the world is ending, but you haven't really figured anything out yet. Yeah, and then there's and then there's the people you know who um, feel their unrequited love for. Uh, I, what are the kids down with these days? Uh, One Direction and Justin Bieber. <laughs> when I was when I was young was. Was uh, the the girls were uh, and some of the boys were mad about that stuff, uh, and ob- and would get obsessed with it uh, to the point where their I suppose their heart was sick. And I guess that's a slightly more similar type of unrequited love to the type that Angus is feeling in this story because he doesn't actually meet care until the very 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 end. It's yeah. a weird parasocial relationship for most of it. Yeah, if you think about it, they've never actually uh, met except uh, except in dreams. It does give you a sense though of how seriously the uh, the people of uh, ancient and old Ireland took dreams and took the Ashling and took the Clearly, Ashling, yeah. yeah, that uh, you were almost being transported into another dimension where you uh, met this other person um, speaking of uh, love though and uh, more mature expressions of love Aileen and Maeve are in this story strangely yes a very kind of weird departure for a moment you usually associate them with the Ulster cycle which I mean is still as fantastical as most Irish folklore but this is like a very 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 fantastical magical story for them to be appearing in oh oh, definitely you know um because as well when you're a storyteller you kind of work from the premise that the tone is much later than uh stories like Mider and Atain and the and the dream of Angus yes uh Maeve is a goddess in Connacht I suppose she there's it's arguable that she was around for a very long time but there is no sense that uh a little king of Connacht is anything more than a man Exactly. I mean, the whole thing with Maeve is she always has another man waiting outside the door for her. Like, she cycles through husbands very, very quickly. 
and and the pillow talk is uh, is a uh, is a much uh, different uh, view of of love than is presented here. Yeah, Maeve and Alil, like they, I mean, they might love each other to some extent, but in many ways it's political, and she doesn't particularly like him all that much. <laughs> She's obsessed with being just as good as him, and uh, uh, and uh, chaos ensues. Um, but as well, the dream of Angus, I find, is is different from other appearances even by Angus. Yes. This is Angus, I guess, at his most sort of naive and young. He isn't, this isn't him being a helper figure or anything. This is him helping people. No, not him being helped by people even. But even in the story of, of Newgrange, he has that kind of trickster character about yes. him. The uh, Logs Iha. Um, just to explain that to you, to the listeners, um, Angus a- asks his father, the Dagda, for Newgrange, basically the Dagda's home, the Dagda's house, and the Dagda asks him how long he wants it for, and Angus says, Law August Iha, which in Irish is day and night. So the Dagda thinks Angus just wants the house for a day and a night. Uh, but if you know the Irish language at all, you'd know that uh, law August Iha also means forever. Yes. So there's a, there's there's the idea there that that Angus is is the trickster character. A warning to anyone putting their home on Airbnb for a while. Yes. <laughs> Read the fine print yeah. <laughs> before you have a, a tenant for for three years. <laughs> I booked in for 30 days. Now I own this house. <laughs> and then the later again appearances uh, in uh, Dearmas and Gronje. Yes, where he... Because... Is he Dearmas... Foster, foster father. Foster yeah, father, yeah. yes. Um, so he helps them in their escape from Fionn McCool, basically. He bestows their, his cloak of invisibility upon them. And he gives... Dearman, that spear, that... What does the spear do again? The spear helps him get out of fights by just jumping over everything. I think I would really, really like one of those myself. (laughs) Basically the uh, ancient Irish equivalent of a pogo stick. (laughs) Dearman can go over houses, get out of a fight by just leaping over things. And and just travel around, really, on, on the tip of a spear. So a very different character... With those kind of those um, those trickster elements, one interesting thing from the perspective of the humans in the story and care and care's father, is that care's father doesn't actually want her to marry into the gods. Yes, he's very 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 reluctant. I mean, he's turning his daughter into a swan. Um. <laughs> yeah, that's that's about as rough as you get it. Uh, Get in Irish folklore. It's a strange sort of thing. I mean, it kind of speaks to the fact that the gods, if you can call them gods in Irish folklore, are a lot more mundane in some ways than the gods of other cultures. Yeah, they're like superheroes that you're asking for favours from. Basically, yeah, yeah. They're not really something that you bow down and you worship from. At least that's what the stories tell us. Now, the actual practice of the religion we know remarkably little it's about. It's very, very lost. Yeah. Um, this is all coming through through the monks who have naturally wanted to dampen down what the power yeah. of these gods would have been yeah. like. Yeah, they're asking themselves, and how does this fit in with the Bible? 
Um, but yeah, the, the Chaos Father doesn't want her to marry the son of the Dagda, even though he's the king of the gods, uh, because the Dagda is, well, the Dagda's a bit nuts. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, he has a club that will kill with one end and give life with the other, and he has that famous story, of course, uh, with the uh, with the uh, with the porridge and the and the scat, uh, for for want of a want of a better word. So a y- unique, a pretty unique attitude to to the gods, and birds and birds once again, with the birds. <laughs> Where did people get this idea in ancient Ireland of swans being the most beautifully musical creatures in the world? We get this in the Children of Lear and we get this in the Dream of Angus, where they sing music so beautiful that it calms hearts or sends people to sleep. Had any of these people ever listened to a swan before? Maybe it annoyed them from a kind of aesthetic or interior design sense that the most beautiful bird in the water couldn't actually sing, so they decided to ignore it. They, that must be the only reason. <laughs> because the idea of, I mean, whatever gets you to sleep at night, but I personally would prefer whale song or birds tweeting or something than honk, honk. <laughs> <laughs> the alternative is that swans used to sing quite beautifully. And something, something changed them. Something happened in swan history yeah, something something catastrophic happened in the history of swans. They're now no longer able to sing. They finally realised how bad their lot in life was and they decided they'd never sing again. Yeah. We're getting bothered by too many magicians and druids and kings. Let's, People keep getting turned into us. Yeah, let's... Let's, and it's not very intimidating as well if you can sing beautifully as a bird. Maybe they're like... We want them to leave us alone. <laughs> so we've all agreed to just honk for all eternity. Maybe one of these days that strategy will properly work out for them. Maybe, maybe so. Maybe so. A lot of, lot of uh, swans in Ireland and uh, a lot of different types of, of birds as well. Uh, uh, the hawk of Ackle is another favourite of mine. I haven't heard of that one. Uh, basically, there is another shape during the story of Fintan Machbachra. Yes. There is another shapeshifter living on Ackle that uh, Fintan goes to hang out with and uh, trade stories with, and they have a they have a shapeshifting comp- uh, competition as you do in in one of the stories. Favorite Irish bird? I've never really given that question much thought. Funnily enough, personally. Not that it appears a huge amount in folklore or anything, but I'm I'm a good fan of of a robin. Mainly because they're such vicious little orbs. (laughs) The life of a robin is a life of constant strife and turmoil. Brutality. (laughs) Have you seen that experiment they did where they were trying to figure out how aggressive and territorial robins are? And they're so aggressive that even if you just put a red feather in front of them, they will attack it because they'll yeah. assume it's a rival male. Yeah. It's, uh, and the the cuckoo as well is another uh, f- famous I- Irish bird or a bird in Ireland just sneaking into someone's nest and kicking out the babies. Yeah, just absolute vicious creatures. As, as a proud Kerryman, as you know, I have to as well chime in for the Golden Eagle. Of course. Uh, reintroduced to uh, Killarney in modern times. They are majestic birds, uh, truly, and it is 
uh, a real honour and, and privilege to have them restored to uh, the west of west of Ireland. So leave them alone. Please, Just, don't put out rat poison. <laughs> yeah, please leave them alone. They are not going to steal your sheep. <laughs> They're big. They're not that big. We don't have rocks here. <laughs> um... So, the anything else uh, strike you about the story? Yeah, it's the, the multiples of 50. What is it with Irish stories and resorting to women appearing in multiples of 50? I know, the, the cattle raid of Freke is the same where, you know, he's he's attacked by the paste and 50, 50 fairy women come out of the fairy hill and they, they tend to him. It's, it's just a, a number that they seem to gravitate towards when they want to say a lot of. Yeah, it's a, and it's a very similar thing again, this idea of, it appears time and time again in story after story of just women being in identical groups yes. and having to find the correct woman from that identical group of women. Yeah. You'd wonder how many triplets uh, they would have uh, had, or exactly. Yeah. But the strange thing again with this is he still hasn't ever met Care before. Yes. So he's looking at this group of identical women, having never met any of them before, and it's like that's the one that I've been seeing in my dreams. Oh. I don't think I have that good of an eye for people myself. <laughs> no, no. Maybe because it's because we're both cold and dead inside. It's very possible. But yeah, this idea that. Oh, love is so powerful. Even if you never met her, you would be able to pick her out of a group of uh, of 50 women who looked just like her. Uh, we know that ends uh, very badly for Oki Aram in, in Mider and Attain, where he ends up... Of course. He ends up uh, with, his, with his own daughter. Um, but, yeah, it, the two numbers, 50 and 3... It's yes. like, and they bear. They seem to have no connection to one another. You know, if like the if the fairy women came out of the fairy hill, as thirty three women, or no, it's fifty and three are the two numbers that they seem to really like. Yeah, they just appear again and again and again. It must be some remnant of Celtic numerology or something from way back in the day, but who yeah. knows what it even is. No. Uh, and uh, Lenny, Lenny really hit home the idea that these were very, very powerful people, but everything went very peacefully. Yes, there wasn't really any death, no, which you don't yeah. expect from an Irish romance. No, you expect someone uh, at, at, at least to be stabbed through the heart or something, you know, from behind. Yeah, there's, you know? it's an, a romance that actually ends pretty well. I mean, they do have to send an entire group of people to sleep for three days but that's yeah. pretty tame as far as we go yeah. and they did have to spend three whole days as swans which must have been miserable <laughs> <laughs> as we've said swans have the worst lives yeah but... terrible terrible lives and uh, yeah and then there's that did you do Yates for your leaving cert I did indeed yeah the, the wild swans of cool yeah where he, they're describing how uh, terrible they are with moving on land does that have 50 swans in it as well um no I think I think it has the same number of swans as the children of Lear. Oh there's all I remember is there's one bit in it where he sees all the swans and then he sees one swan on its own and he's like I'm that swan. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> 
because Yeats was a very sad man. He was very sad. He hated being alone. He hated being old. He hated being Anglo-Irish. He only wasn't as much of a creep in his life as he was. Perhaps it would have gone better for him. Perhaps so. Perhaps so. Or didn't take so many liberties. Uh, but yeah, a very uh, a peaceful and lovely end to an Irish romance for which is incredibly unrealistic. Yeah, uh, yeah, incredibly. <laughs> but a peaceful a peaceful end, uh, and in some versions, Angus stays a, as a swan, which is very inconvenient for storytellers later on. Yeah, like, aren't you supposed to be a swan at this point? But we, but I think uh, Lenny ended it very well there with the three days. And the promising that she can go back to the water any time that she likes. If she would ever want to be a swan again. For some (laughs) godforsaken reason. In the cold and the damp. Uh, (laughs) Yes, uh, I think if there's any lesson, ladies and gentlemen, to be taken away from this podcast, is that Paddy and Brendan do not want to be swans. Please, anything else. I'll take a duck. At least ducks have personalities. And so, on that slightly strange note, yes, it's time that we bid you adieu for another night, fair listeners. Yes. Thank you very much for listening. And we hope to see you again in the next one. I was Paddy. I was Brendan. Thank you very much. Thank you for joining us for another episode of the National Leprechaun Museum's Talking Stories podcast. Remember, the best way to support us is by liking, subscribing, and sharing with a friend.